post-genre splice and AI, what does the Uncanny Valley sound like by Kai Wiston? We have begun a new chapter in the era of digital audio, as we wander through the vast sonic landscapes sculpted by an ever-growing array of music producers. Once again, another unsettling phenomenon looms on the horizon. The Uncanny Valley is a uniquely disconcerting phenomenon that has haunted the realms of technology, animation, and robotics for decades. At its core, it represents a disturbing threshold where the boundaries between human and machine blur and humanoid creations approach a startlingly realistic appearance. As these creations become more and more human-like, they invoke an eerie and discomforting sensation that is difficult to articulate, a shiver down the spine that is both fascinating and repulsive. It is a feeling that arises from the unsettling realization that we are staring into the face of something that is almost human, but not quite. The uncanny valley is a liminal space that we dare to traverse, but only with trepidation, as it forces us to confront our deepest fears and insecurities about what it means to be human. So what happens when this phenomenon begins to manifest in the realm of music and sound design, and have we been dipping our toe in it already? As music transformed into a widely accessible product, the nature of the music industry and the relationship between artists and their audiences underwent significant changes. The unstoppable commercialization of music has had both positive and negative consequences. On one hand, it has allowed for the global dissemination of diverse music styles and voices, connecting artists with vast audiences. On the other hand, it has intensified the pressures of market forces on musicians, often prioritizing profit over artistic expression and innovation. The drive for profit has led to the standardization and homogenization of music styles as record labels and streaming platforms prioritize familiar and easily marketable sounds. The very inception of genre may be a byproduct of this, sweeping music into easy catalogable labels for distribution and, in turn, spilling into artistic creation. Consequently, musicians may feel compared to adhere to the trends of genre-based music distribution to secure commercial success, stifling creative exploration. An emphasis on consumption has fostered a culture of disposability and instant gratification, where music is often viewed as a transient commodity rather than a lasting work of art as part of this noisy thing we call content. The role of artists and composers has evolved significantly over time, with each era of music as a career being constructed by various social, economic and cultural factors. In the medieval and renaissance periods, musicians were often employed by the church or aristocracy, creating works that served religious or political purposes. The emergence of the printing press facilitated the rise of independent composers who could now distribute their works to a broader audience. The Romantic era saw a shift towards the concept of the artist as a visionary and creative genius, liberated from the constraints of societal expectations. However, with the advent of capitalism and the commodification of music, musicians found themselves navigating the demands of market forces and the pursuit of paying their bills. In the 1990s, the commercialization and democratization of music production accelerated with DAWs being available on cheap personal computers and digital audio hardware. In 2023, the market of sound design is accelerated through major sample pack marketplaces such as Splice and it's been easier than ever for aspiring producers to access a vast library of sonic building blocks. 
The founding of Splice in 2013 was a logical next step in the post-Spotify model, a not particularly novel idea which allowed the startup to secure its $55 million venture capitalist funding in 2020. Spark your next fire with hand-picked sounds from some of the top genres, reads the front page of Splice.com. Drill, rock, hip-hop, hyperpop, techno, all available here to choose from. With Splice, producers no longer need to open their ears to access high-quality, royalty-free sounds to create palatable tracks to pretty much any genre these banks of sounds provide. However, the rise of pre-packaged song starters and melody loops, which now often form the backbone of popular music, carries with a curious risk. Who else has the same idea of downloading the popular sounds of the day and dragging and dropping them into an Ableton arrangement sequence? Creating from a directory of algorithmically curated sounds, constructed together by artists, then to be released via algorithmic distribution, does that stick human creativity in the middle of an Ouroboros, somewhere around the stomach? While the term post-genre is a relatively recent development, the concept of transcending genre boundaries has historical precedence. One 19th century writer who touched upon the idea is German composer and conductor Richard Wagner. In his essay, The Artwork of the Future, 1849, Wagner envisioned a united art form known as Gesamtkunstwerk, or Total Work of Art. Apologies for my German. This would combine music, drama, and visual arts into a cohesive and immersive experience. Although Wagner's concept was not specifically focused on blending musical genres, it did advocate for breaking down traditional barriers in the arts to create innovative and transformative works. Wagner's ideas, along with those of other forward-thinking artists and composers of the 19th century, laid the groundwork for the eventual emergence of post-genre sensibilities. As we moved into the 20th and 21st centuries, musicians began to challenge genre conventions more explicitly, thanks to the increasing interconnectedness of the world and advancements in music technology. In a contemporary post-genre landscape, artists are no longer confined to the limitations of traditional genre classifications. Artists can experiment with diverse musical elements, forge new sonic territories, and engage in cross-cultural dialogues. This creative freedom has led to a rich tapestry of musical expressions that defy conventional labels and challenge our understanding of music. While it's true that contemporary artists have an array of musical influences and are increasingly pushing the boundaries of genre classification, the music industry continues to rely on genre categorization as a means of marketing, distributing, and curating music. As the demand for more specialized and diverse sounds increases, sound designers and sample library creators have responded by categorizing their offerings into genre-specific collections. While this practice may make it easier for users in the moments where they have to find the sounds they need, it can also perpetuate genre stereotypes and contribute to the marginalization of music styles. These classifications often uphold capitalist ideas by reinforcing the notion that certain sounds and musical styles are more valuable than others, perpetrating a hierarchy that undermines the post-genre ideal of creative freedom and exploration. By breaking down genre barriers and embracing diverse sonic palettes, artists can explore new territories and create music that is not constrained by commercial expectations. This shift towards a more inclusive and diverse musical landscape can help dismantle the capitalist policing of music and create a more equitable and empowering environment for artists. This begs the question of whether we can truly claim to be in a post-genre landscape when genre tagging and playlisting are still prevalent practices. 
Perhaps the true post-genre landscape will be one where genre classification becomes irrelevant and music is appreciated and shared solely based on its unique and innovative qualities. There's a classic copy-pasta from the aforementioned Gearsluts.com days of music production. I thought using loops was cheating, so I programmed my own samples. I thought using samples was cheating, so I recorded real drums. I thought using pre-made drum skins was cheating, so I farmed my own goats and skinned them, etc. The question of cheating in music production is a contentious one. At the heart of the issue is this confusion of art and sport. A false pursuit of technical excellence and competitive advantage similar to the competitive nature that falls into nearly every other corner of society. These competitive factors are inherent in the world of music commerce, but quantifiably intangible in the creation process. With the cheating conversation implying that we're all playing on the same fixed set of rules, with the exponential progression of technology and music, these imposed definitions of corner cutting continue to become baseless with every new physical, digital, or theoretical innovation. The player piano, also known as the pianola, was a popular invention in the late 19th and early 20th centuries that used a mechanical system to automatically play music encoded on perforated paper rolls. As an early form of automated music, the player piano sparked both fascination and concern, raising questions about the implications of mechanized art for the future of music and human creativity. At the time, the player piano was celebrated for its ability to bring music into homes and social settings without requiring the presence of a skilled musician. It opened up access to music to the everyday consumer, making it possible for individuals who could not play an instrument to enjoy and share live performances. However, this very accessibility also fueled anxieties about the potential impact of automation on human musicianship and the value of live performance. Critics of the pianola feared that the reliance of mechanical devices could lead to the decline of traditional music skills and the loss of human touch in artistic expression. In his 1906 essay, The Social Significance of the Pianola, John Philip Sosa, the renowned American composer and conductor, lamented that the player piano would erode the appreciation of music as an art form, stating, I believe if Wagner could see these pianolas and hear them play his music, he would go insane. What is going to become of the art of music when we have music without musicians, music without artists, and music without creators? The Nightingale song is delightful because the Nightingale herself gives it forth. Would it be so charming if a small machine were employed to produce identical sounds? In exploring the potential pitfalls of using prepackaged song starters and melody loops in popular music, let us consider another real-life example that illustrates the complexities of this issue. When Justin Bieber released his album Changes, it didn't take long for accusations of melody theft to surface. Artist Asher Monroe claims that the melodic hook on Bieber's song Running Over was identical to his 2019 track Synergy. As it turned out, neither artist had stolen the melody from another. Instead, both used a royalty-free sample created by producer Laxity, which had been purchased from the online sound marketplace Splice. This example highlights several key issues that arise when artists rely on pre-made melody loops and song starters in their compositions. First and foremost, it demonstrates how use of such elements can lead into a homogenization of sound, as the same melodic ideas are recycled and repurposed across various tracks. This can result in a lack of originality and creativity, as well as potential disputes over intellectual property and artistic integrity. 
Moreover, the Bieber-Monroe incident could serve as a cautionary tale for artists and producers who may be tempted to rely too heavily on prepackaged musical elements. While these tools undoubtedly streamline the creative process and provide a solid foundation for new compositions, they can also hinder the development of a unique artistic voice and dilute the emotional resonance of the music. As a result, listeners may experience a sense of deja vu or even an unsettling effects of the musical Uncanny Valley as they encounter overly polished and familiar soundscapes that lack the human touch that makes music so powerful and engaging. LA-based producer and multi-instrumentalist Frank Dukes has established himself as one of the most prominent figures in modern world of sample libraries and song styles, carving out a niche as a go-to source for prepaid musical elements. Including these song starters in your track will not be royalty-free. Dukes receives a royalty, publishing, and production credit on every production that includes music he's written for Kingsway. Since then, Dukes loops have become a staple in the production of contemporary hip-hop and R&B, with hundreds of credits to his name on chart-topping hits by the likes of Drake, Kendrick Lamar, and Post Malone. Totaling all those production credits that Frank Dukes has been a part of, he has gone 36 times platinum, according to the official RIAA records. His success is a testament to the enduring appeal of pre-made musical elements and the potential for these building blocks to inspire and catalyze new creative endeavors. While it would be easy to dismiss Dukes and his peers as mere purveyors of sonic convenience, it is important to recognize the role that they play in shaping the musical landscape. By providing producers and artists with a vast array of creative starting points, they offer a valuable resource for sparking new ideas and pushing the boundaries of existing sounds and styles. However, it is also important to remain critical of potential pitfalls of reliance on pre-made musical elements and to recognize the value of individual artistic perspective and expression. By striking a balance between the utilization of these building blocks and the injection of one's unique artistic voice, we can avoid falling into the uncanny valley in music and preserve the emotional connection between listeners and the music they consume. As we grapple with the concept of the zone of discomfort between the familiar and foreign in music production, it becomes necessary to examine the distinction between preconceived melody ideas and individual sounds that serve as building blocks of compositions. This distinction raises a critical question. Where do we draw the line between using pre-packaged song starters and melody loops and the employment of individual sounds such as those produced by the first drum machines, the inception MIDI, or even traditional physical instruments? To address this question, we must first acknowledge that the creative process has always involved some degree of borrowing and adaptation. From the earliest days of music, composers and musicians have built upon existing ideas and sounds, whether in the form of borrowed melodies, chord progressions, or instrumentation. This process of adaptation and reinterpretation is not inherently problematic. In fact, it has been the driving force behind the evolution of music as an art form. However, the advent of digital music production and the proliferation of sample platforms have introduced a new level of complexity in this age-old process. The sheer volume and accessibility of pre-made musical elements have led to a blurring of the lines between inspiration and imitation, making it increasingly difficult to determine where the creative process begins and ends. In order to navigate this complex landscape, it is important to recognize that the use of individual sounds and instruments, such as drum machines and traditional instruments, does not inherently lead to the uncanny valley effect. These elements, when used judiciously and creatively, can serve as the foundation for innovative and emotionally resonant compositions. The key seems to lie in striking a balance between the utilization of these building blocks and the injection of one's unique artistic perspective. 
This balance can be achieved by fostering a spirit of experimentation and embracing the potential for imperfection. By pushing the boundaries of existing sounds and technologies, artists can imbue their work with a sense of individuality that transcends the limitation of prepackaged song starters and melody loops. A common and frankly offensive misconception is that the introduction of technology has always been good for the artistic expression and commerce of music. Yes, while the technology itself may have the promise of this post-genre ideal, we are still at the mercy of cooperative entities that control the marketplace of these tools and their output. 16 years after the technology behind royalty-based music streaming services was invented, artists are still trapped in the bondage of Spotify and Apple Music's payment structures. The extremity of this bondage is so disastrous to the point where the age of CDs, ringtones and album sales being a lucrative source of income for independent artists now seem unfathomable to the new era of artists. While the impressive technology of Spotify was championed as a perfectly legal alternative against the piracy of Napster and music torrenting in its inception, with it came the same monopoly and industry standard systems perpetrated by these record labels of the last century, and the complacency of how artists would be forced to settle for less. Depending who you ask, we are somewhere between three weeks and three months away from generating entirely original high-fidelity compositions from a text prompt, as I write this in July 2023. Much like the proliferation of pre-packaged song starters, melody loops, and the 19th century player piano, the increasing use of AI-generated music has the potential to further erode the distinctive qualities of human-made art, particularly in the realm of commercial sync music. As AI algorithms churn out an ever-growing array of ready-made tracks, the risk of homogenization and loss of human touch in our sonic landscapes becomes all the more imminent. However, it's important to recognize that music, at its core, is a social endeavor, deeply entwined with the interpersonal dynamics that govern our lives. Human musicians and composers don't merely create melodies and beats, they also engage in a complex web of social interactions, forming alliances, rivalries, and creative partnerships that shape the very fabric of our music culture. Furthermore, the community aspect of art making is part of what classifies humans as artists and AI as a tool. It is within this context that AI-generated music, for all of its technical sophistication, may struggle to find a foothold. The music industry is still a social sport in the way that the machine is ill-equipped to compete. While algorithms can undoubtedly generate compelling tunes and even mimic the styles of various genres and artists, they lack the inherent ability to navigate the emotional intricacies of human relationships and the cultural context to which music is created, distributed and consumed beyond a lossless .wav file. This distinction highlights the limitations of AI-generated music, which, while technically impressive, may struggle to resonate with listeners on a more emotive level. It appears that the future of music production lies in the hands of those that can teach AI to break the rules, not just follow them. But there are still areas in the music industry which are not determined by this complex web, particularly in the worlds of commercial sync music, media compositions and instrumental accompaniment to vocal music. The advent of AI-generated music heralds to a paradigm shift, compelling producers to transcend their customary roles. As the limelight gravitates towards charismatic vocalists and spectacular performances, producers confront the potential of being superseded by musical co-pilots. However, this burgeoning realm presents untapped opportunities for visionaries who can amalgamate their distinctive flair with technological advancements, thereby dismantling rigid boundaries between traditional music production roles and redefining the essence of musicianship. 
Modern-day musicians' identity has metamorphed from virtuoso of conventional instruments to a purveyor of social influence, channeling their cultural network through a medium of music. A testament to this transformation is the presence of musically uninitiated celebrities amidst major festival lineups, captivating audiences with their prearranged ghost mixes. Nevertheless, the discourse surrounding the legitimacy of music creation remains a kaleidoscope of subjective interpretations. As we continue to navigate the complexities of AI-generated music, it's important to consider not only the technical and creative implications of these innovations, but also the broader social and cultural contexts in which they are emerging. By critically examining the historical precedents and parallels in music and art, we can gain a deeper understanding of the potential opportunities and challenges presented by AI music production, and foster a more nuanced and thoughtful approach to the future of music. As AI-generated music advances, we must ask ourselves if the limitations of the human ear will become the limitations of creativity itself. The challenge then lies in striking a balance between embracing the potential of AI and preserving the unique human qualities that make music such a powerful form of expression. Rather than viewing the AI as a threat to human creativity, we might consider it as a tool to be used judiciously in conjunction with our own artistic instincts. By leveraging AI-generated ideas as a starting point or source of inspiration, rather than a replacement for human musicianship, we can ensure that our musical landscape remains vibrant and diverse, and continues to reflect the rich tapestry of human experience. It is inevitable that there will be those who argue against the abandonment of traditional genre classification and commercial gain in the music industry. These people may argue that the genre classification is a necessary tool for marketing and distributing music and that commercial success is essential for artists to sustain their livelihoods. However, we must remember that the pursuit of artistic expression need not to be at odds with the pursuit of commercial success. By advocating for a fairer music industry, we can create a distribution system that benefits both artists and listeners alike. Furthermore, we must challenge the assumption that commercial gain should be the sole driving force in creation and distribution of music. The commodification of music has often led to the exploitation of artists and the conformity of musical styles. By prioritizing the artistic expression over commercial gain, we can create a music industry that values creativity and diversity over conformity and profit. To counteract these limitations, we must scrutinize the ramifications of this burgeoning technological landscape. As it covertly permeates the core of sonic artistry, it becomes a new responsibility for music producers and sound designers to challenge these constraints, venturing into innovative ways of creating, experiencing and valuing music that prioritizes artistic expression and defies capitalist ideals. We can also begin to have a deeper connection with the sounds that we have sourced and thus strengthen the relationship between us and the output of music which follows that. If the use of templates is an age-old method of music that sparks inspiration, let us use templates that reinvigorate the essence of artistic expression, with the ability to tweak, modify and disrupt the tools we use. By embracing this transformative resistance, we can pave a way for the music industry that transcends genres fostering an equitable and empowering environment for artists and listeners alike.